good to see you, to welcome uh, you students back to Bath. I'd like to say that I missed you over the Christmas holidays, but um, I ought to be truthful. Uh, I haven't, but it is lovely to see you. <laughs> it's the first Sunday in the new year, so I'm unashamedly going to be predictable and ask you about New Year's resolutions, but not your resolutions for 2019. How many of you can even remember what resolution you set this time last year in 2018? Can anybody even remember? Yeah, blank faces, like, don't ask me. <laughs> Let alone whether you managed to keep your resolution right through the year. Well, as you may have recall, I mentioned my resolution a few times through the year, and it annoyed my life hub quite a bit. But my resolution was to increase my awareness of living with an eternal perspective. That is, I've already died and I've been born again and I'm alive in eternity now. And I wanted to be able to take each day and remember to put it and hold it in perspective of eternity. And so at 2018, every single evening through last year, 18 minutes past eight, my alarm went off on my phone and it was to remind me to put my day in eternal perspective, to hold it uh, in that perspective of eternity so that I didn't get so het up about the things I didn't need to get het up about. And I have to say that the discipline of doing that was really helpful to me. It turned out to be a year that included some really quite challenging um, trials but also some celebratory milestones. And having that daily discipline really helped to keep everything in a healthy perspective. So that was my 2018 um, perspective um, resolution. And it was a special year for all of us if we just look back, uh, particularly for our church family, with the additions of Daniel and Joshua, his cousin. And then in the autumn, we spent a sermon series looking at uh, if Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? We spent a sermon series looking at Jesus' identity. And I think we all found ourselves coming to know him in a fresh way and in a deeper way. And it was life-changing for some people. So uh, that was been a really beautiful time. And then, of course, we celebrated with an eclectic array of services another birth. That's Jesus' birth. And James and Sam, you know that I dote on Daniel. But, and this is probably not a difficult thing to say to parents, although he's lovely, he's not worthy of worship. You know this, I know. Um, but this Jesus, this birth that we celebrated at Christmas, of course, is worthy of worship. He's the only baby we can worship. He's Mary's precious baby, and he's worthy of worship because he is God in person. He's the son of God who left his glory and became manifest. He became part of his creation that he had created. Jesus was both fully human and fully God, born in Bethlehem. And his glory shone all around, even though he had changed its location, as it were. And it illuminated the dark night into this bright light. 
And the light of his presence, the light of his glory was noticed. It was blindingly obvious to those who were watching and waiting, but it was overlooked by others. God came in person. Jesus was born and his glory was noticed in far away countries. The Magi, the wise men, were watching and waiting. And as Tim was explaining earlier, what we celebrate today is this revelation to the Gentiles, to these faraway people, that God had come in person. And so we call it Epiphany Sunday. These magi noticed the appearance of light. Some call it a star, some call it some sort of meteor thing. Frankly, it doesn't matter. The point is, God came in person and his glory became visible and not only to his people Israel, but to Gentiles in far-flung nations. You should be getting really excited by this point, brothers and sisters, because if up until that point, God had only pretty much been exclusively communicating and meeting with his people, Israel, with the view that they then, in turn, would be a blessing to the world and draw the world to God. But now God was coming in person and he was drawing the world, the nations, that's you and me, to himself through Jesus. And so without this Jesus coming, we probably wouldn't know God. You know that already. So epiphany is about revelation. We often talk about having these epiphany moments, these aha moments, when things just click together. And this is an aha moment that resonates for all eternity. So happy epiphany, everybody. You can say happy epiphany to your neighbours, please. (laughs) That was quite enthusiastic for a very chilly St. Mad. (laughs) The Gospel reading that we had of these Magi was a fulfilment of the Isaiah reading, the Isaiah prophecy. So what Isaiah prophesied came true in the, in the gospel. And it came true in these wise men coming, but it wasn't just Isaiah 60 that was the prophecy coming um, true, but it was earlier chapters where Isaiah prophesied about the suffering servant, and which is why the wise men also brought myrrh. And this uh, prophecy from Isaiah is um, a dramatic, he prophesies a dramatic reversal in the status of Israel and its surrounding nations. In the Messianic age, he promises, the kings of the nations will not come to plunder, but they will come to offer tribute. Israel will no longer have to take gifts to other nations to appease them, to win favour and security. But now Israel will be the source of security and blessing and in turn will receive the abundance of the sea and the wealth of the nations. And this is a dramatic reversal in Israel's fortune and it's all tied up in this one baby. This natural supernatural baby Jesus grew to show us what life can look like if it's lived intentionally in God's love 
and for God's glory. This baby came to lay down his life in daily service and then ultimately on the cross. He died. And his glory at that moment was withdrawn from the, from the world and the sky turned black in the middle of the day. But we know the darkness did not overcome God's glory. Jesus Christ, in per, God in person, smashed the power of darkness and death. And he ascended back to glory in victory And he offers us to share in his victory. We can be born into his eternal life just by believing who he is. It's simple, as those uh, profound meerkats say. We can share in eternal life and be carriers of his glorious spirit here on earth. Now, this new year, when we invite him into our hearts. So if you haven't done so already, this would be the best New Year's resolution you could ever make to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to come into your life. And so if you're feeling nudged to do that, then there'll be people to pray with you after the service. Please do that. This is mighty, exhilarating, good news for each one of us. Which brings me on to... Uh, What I wanted to focus on was what I believe is a word for God for our church this year, for 2019. If 2018 I was harking on about keeping eternal perspective, I feel that in 2019, God is calling us as a church family to be intentional. Intentionality is the buzzword for this year, I think. Intentionality is about being deliberate, purposeful, where choices are directed toward one goal. It is, of course, a characteristic of God himself. He was intentional in creating the world in the first place. He didn't, it didn't happen by accident. He was intentional in calling his wayward people back into a life of love. God was intentional about coming in person and revealing his glory to the whole world. All these fulfilled prophecies that we had in Isaiah were no accident. Jesus was intentional in his ministry and in his teaching. He was intentional in his suffering, in his dying, and in his rising to glory. God calls us to be like him. We are made in his image, and we are called to be intentional in our relationship with God and with one another. There was a part of me that thought, I don't need to preach about intentionality to a bunch of people who have already been intentional about rocking up to church to worship God. But I believe that God is calling us this year to a new level of intentionality in our walk with God. And I'll try to unpack this a little of of what it might look like. 
Let's take these Magi, for example. They intentionally studied ancient manuscripts as well as astrology. They were experts. They were wise. They intentionally watched the signs of prophecy coming true. They were intentional in their watching and their waiting. And then a new season dawned. And their intentionality was taken to a whole new level. They had a choice, of course. They could witness the strange glory in the skies, document it, teach about it, and they would, that would be intentional in quite a comfortable, familiar setting for them. They could still feel proficient and like experts if they just stayed put and did that. Or they could choose to pack their favourite teddy in their rucksack, clamber on their camel and pursue this glory. They would have to get out of their comfort zone, away from their books, and they'd have to set out on an unknown journey to a place that they weren't too sure about. For a length of journey, we don't know how long it took. And that's the level of intentionality that they stepped up to. Now, you know that I was brought up on a farm, Uh, with parents who are eminently practical and they have ample common sense. But I've also witnessed very clever people trying to be practical. And it usually uh, ensues a sort of baffling comedy of errors as they (laughs) try their hand at something they're not particularly proficient at. These magi, perhaps, were stepping out of their comfort zone, stepping into a more amateur role for them, as it were. We don't know where they came from exactly, so we don't know how long the journey lasted. It could be weeks, months, or even over a year. We just don't know. We can assume that some of the journey would have been tough. Their tents may have blown inside out in a storm. Their camels may have become lame or spat in their face. They were carrying extremely expensive gifts, and so they probably had guards or soldiers with them. It was risky, but they were collectively intentional about pursuing the glory of God. They intentionally put their belief into action and stepped out of their comfort zone. And I believe God is calling us collectively as a church family to a new level of intentionality in 2019. I believe it will bear fruit. I believe we will see more people coming to know Jesus and probably even some miracles, dare I say it. It will involve us intentionally wasting time with God intentionally resting and keeping Sabbath, intentionally choosing about what voices we listen to and what thoughts we allow to go on in our heads, being intentional about our stewardship of resources, the time, money, the skills and relationships that have been entrusted to us. We will have choices 
to intentionally share the good news with colleagues or to withhold the good news. We will have the choice to intentionally speak a word of blessing to someone sitting near us on the bus or train or to withhold that blessing. God is calling us as a family to a higher level of intentionality in our walk with him. This will require courage. It will feel like becoming amateur Christians again. But for those who come into agreement to live more intentionally, God will provide the courage needed. I um, remembered at the last minute that we'd have young people in with us today. Uh, Young gentlemen, could you come and help me, please? I just wanted to... um, They're going to help me illustrate what intentional discipleship might look like. Thank you. Is there any other children or young people who would like to come and help? Uh, You only have to build a tower. Um, Then you'd be be really grateful. Um, I think Amy and Caleb have gone, I think. Um, Anyhow, could you just start building a tower? Thank you very much. So they've stepped out in courage. You can admire that, can't you? And it may be uncomfortable to be in front of church, but thank you very much. And they are intentionally building a tower for me. As they step out, they may come across resistance, like a tent blowing inside out or a camel spitting in their face, but they've got a shared goal. And they are intentionally... Oh, Caleb, come and help us build a tower. So despite the resistance, these guys are going to focus on their goal and they're going to persevere with intentionally building their tower. Now, I do... I do recognise the uh, biblical irony of building a tower to reach God's glory, so I do apologise for that, but it's the only thing I had to hand. Fantastic building. So I believe that coming into agreement with a higher level of intentionality will give God permission to convict us of where we are going astray in life and calling us back towards him. And hear this, be very careful. Conviction from God is not a bad thing. It's a loving invitation. It's God saying, whoops daisy you appear to be travelling south a bit, the glory's over here, so come this way. Conviction must not be confused with condemnation. So folks, you're building a great tower, but now there's a voice of condemnation that's coming in. And the condemnation says, no, that's the wrong brick. And no, you can't build it that way. And no, 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 no. Oh no, that's, that's a bit wibbly wobbly. That's no good. That won't stand. You're rubbish at building a tower. So this isn't going to... Yeah, that yeah, brick's in the wrong place. And that one's definitely in the wrong place. Oh no, oh no. So the, we can't confuse God convicting us and calling us back into line with words of condemnation that will hinder us from our intentional discipleship, our intentional walk. The tower just falls. You're lying on the bricks. 
So condemnation says to us in our walk with Christ. Sorry, I've lost track. (laughs) Yes, the condemnation says, you're a rubbish Christian. You don't pray enough. You don't read the Bible enough. You call your discipleship intentional. You rubbish. Condemnation is not the voice of God. That is the voice of the enemy. So stamp on the voice of condemnation. Don't give it any airtime. But be encouraged, because the enemy will only bother you if he can see you getting closer to God. Thanks, Caleb. God's voice may convict us and call us back into a stronger intentionality, but it is never condemning. Nor is God's voice indifferent. So God's God's indifferent voice says, um, so an indifferent voice, the enemy's indifferent voice may say, um, you can build a tower if you want, but it doesn't really matter because the bricks are kind of okay and you're all right as you are and you may as well just, you know, just don't care really, just don't bother. Love is never indifferent to their beloved. I'm not touching Amy. The last time Amy was in my care, I gave her a nosebleed. So I can't <laughs> She's your responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so, living this, walking this intentional discipleship, God may convict us and call us back into line, and that may be uncomfortable, but it won't be condemning. And God will never look at your walk and say, yeah, it's all right, I'm a bit indifferent, but I don't care, you're all right, you're good enough as you are, shouldn't bother anymore. Because love is never indifferent. Love cares. God cares. And so, family, we can't... Thank you. Maybe, maybe we could finish there. If you want to intentionally build a tower, you can. But otherwise, if you're going to build a tower, lovely. Build a tower. <laughs> Thanks for bringing Family, we, we can't stumble into obedience. And we can't accidentally find ourselves devoted to God. Every relationship requires a level of intentionality for it to stay alive. And our relationship with God should be our most important relationship of all time. God is always calling us to more. More love, more joy, more peace, more freedom, more restoration, more enjoyment of him. He sometimes does this through loving conviction, but never through condemnation or indifference. So we are called to be intentional disciples. Look at these role models. Thank you, gentlemen. And I believe this season is one for us stepping up to this new level of intentionality. But how? How do we step up to a new level of being intentional? Most importantly, we don't do this alone. You will notice the Magi came as a group. A group of men intentionally travelled together from the east. 
We're a family. And I believe we need one another to be able to live intentionally. Um, I'll let you know that I often, before I preach, incur some spiritual resistance and uh, oppression for days beforehand. And this week, um, I really struggled with low mood. It's weighed on me for several days, and it was really quite dark yesterday. And as I was struggling to be intentional on even a really basic level, the enemy was taunting me, saying, you can't preach intentionality when, you can't, when you're even struggling to pray yourself. But I am preaching this from a place of knowing how hard it can be to be an intentional disciple. This isn't easy. So that's why we do this together. Encouraging one another, being accountable to one another, blessing one another. Our first step is simply to come into agreement together, to say, yes, I choose to become a more intentional disciple of Jesus this year. We don't have to have a perfect performance tomorrow morning. Just take that first step of coming into agreement. This Wednesday evening, um, I think Tim's involved in a very important meeting, um, so I'll be leading pastorate. So please come along because I will share a structure for us developing an intentional rhythm of life which can be developed step by step in Life Hubs and Sunday School and from our sermon series this term. We're in this together and it will be really exciting because we'll be coming closer to God's glory, to being filled with God's glory and encountering God's glory and that's something really exciting to spur us on this journey. We can journey together, but intentional discipleship is going to look different for each one of us. And that's a relief, isn't it? Because that means there can be no comparison or no competition. Just unity in pursuing the same goal. And so that's all I wanted to say on this matter. So, My message really, in case you haven't picked it up, for 2019, let's be more intentional in our discipleship. In a moment, I'm going to invite us to pray together, but I just want to give you a couple of minutes, a moment of silence, to just decide for yourself, do you really want to come into agreement and to choose to be a more intentional disciple this year? It's not obligatory. I'm not going to force it on anyone. It has to be a heart decision. So let's just have a moment for you to ponder whether you want to come into agreement with that. Bill, could you put the prayer on the screen? Thank you. If you would like to come into agreement and say, yes, I want to go a step higher and be more intentional in my discipleship with God, then I invite you to stand with me and we can pray this prayer. There's no shame if you don't stand, but there's something very affirming in standing if this is what you want to do. 
So if you want to do this, then I invite you to stand now. And let's pray together. God Almighty, creator of all that is seen and unseen, we praise you for your intentional love for us. We confess that our response has sometimes been indifferent, sometimes accidental, sometimes half-hearted. We are sorry. Please have mercy and forgive us. We, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and stir a fresh passion to follow Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We commit to be intentional disciples of your Son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And do please be seated, and Tim uh, is going to...